everyone, welcome to the Talking Pharmacy Christmas Special. I'm Richard Thomas and joining me on the pod this week is a full house of Communications International Group journos. We have Rob Daracott, Arthur Walsh, Neil Trainis, Helena Beer and Monica West. Happy Christmas all! In normal circumstances we would probably be doing this from a hostelry in Soho but as it is we're coming to you from London, Dublin, Basingstoke and uh, Liss. Right, so we know just how tough this year has been for all our readers and listeners, so we've got something a little different for you this week to hopefully lighten the tone. No good week, bad week. Instead, we're going to present the Talking Pharmacy Podcast Awards for 2020, including the Pharmacy Organisation of the Year, Pharmacy Person of the Year, and non-pharmacy person, if you like, Biggest Disappointment of the Year, and the award for the sentence we don't ever to write again in 2021. Listeners to the pod have been sending in their pharmacy Christmas carols, and we have some special Christmas messages to play for you too. So, Christmas jumpers on, the crackers at the ready, we've got a bit of buble playing in the background, I'm just going to pour myself another small mulled wine. Let's get going. So let's start with Pharmacy Organisation of the Year. Neil, would you like to go first with this one? Yeah, thanks, Richard. Yeah, I've had it was quite a difficult um, kind of decision to make. Really, there've been so many positive stories in a in what's been a nightmare, an absolute nightmare of a, of a time for everyone, really. <clears throat> and I've gone for uh, the PDA. PDA, I've got to mention the PDA. They've done a great job and, and various organisations. But I, I, I've gone for one that might cause a bit of a stir amongst our readers, and that's the GPHC. Um, and the reason I've gone for the GPHC is because uh, it's because I think that there's a regulatory body. I think that they've shown themselves to be, uh, and I'm talking about registrants and, and pharmacy owners and, and you know qualified pharmacists. They've shown themselves to be a, a, a rather under, a very understanding regulator during this awful time. Now I know there's been a lot of uh, there was a big furore over the registration um, uh, and the uncertainty that was um, that was caused by that, and, and they didn't. They, they were, I think they were caught in. On the hop a little bit with that one, and fair and and, and rightly so, they were criticised um, <clears throat> justifiably, and 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 that's fair enough. But I think in terms of the support they've shown uh, the pharmacies and registrants during this this awful time, I think that I think it has to be said that they have shown themselves they're not just the omnipotent kind of regulatory body that over that stands over everybody and, and tells everybody what to do. And I think they've shown a bit of lateral thinking, um, and I think they've helped pharmacists a great deal during. Um, what's been a horrendous time so the gphc for me would be an organization i think you need a bit of balance there so i think they've done a good a decent job that's a very interesting call neil they did show a flexibility of approach to their regulation at the height of yeah. the pandemic which was needed but i've had a difficult year since i think rob what's your pharmacy organization of the year presumably not the gphc we are we are talking about 2020 aren't we <laughs> yeah we are we certainly are yeah. Uh, I'm not sure for the reasons I think you've suggested, Richard. I'm not sure um, about that. I've I've gone for um, Community Pharmacy Scotland actually. Uh, now we've, we've talked a lot about CPS on the on the pod this year, and with good reason. Um, they've had a pretty good year. In fact, they've had a very good year. And I'd say right from the start of the uh, the pandemic, as pharmacy started to um, respond. Stanley Pumby counted. Uh, CPS 
have had a have had a, a great year. So uh, we talked very early on about their videos, Joe, impactful, inspiring, talking directly to pharmacy teams, a lot of balance in there, some funny bits, some serious bits. Uh, but then through the negotiations, you know, the PPE payments, the, they didn't have as much of a hoo-ha about holiday openings, um, the advance payment money, uh, and the scale of some of these payments and the way that it's all negotiated and all, all along keeping community pharmacy teams um, informed. And then to cap the year off, the um, as we reported, I think last week, the, um, the award, the Scottish Health Award for pharmacy teams, community pharmacy teams across Scotland uh, and CPS uh, rounded off a fantastic year for them. CPS. Yeah, good call. Um, I think I'd, all the bodies have had their moments, really, especially at the height of the pandemic. But yeah, Rob, I, I agree. I, for me, it is Community Pharmacy Scotland as well. They, they do seem to have got it right in terms of their kind of communication and support and, and also not, not incidentally achieving results for their contractors. So I think they would be my body of the year too, actually, with, you know, um, commendable mentions for, for some of the others at times. Um, Arthur, what, what do you think? Uh, well, I, I think CPS really has been been the star of this year. I'm going to give a very qualified mention for the PSNC in England, who have, uh, I think when Simon Jukes took over as chief exec, he viewed it as his brief to be much more pragmatic than Sue Sharp was in terms of relationships with the DHSE. But you can almost be a little bit too pragmatic and not punchy enough. I know the, the five-year contract last year was seen by a lot of contractors of the PSNC sort of rolling over. But I think during the pandemic, you have seen them be a bit much more sort of uh, muscular and much more sort of uh, standing up for pharmacists. Um, obviously, the proof of that will be in the pudding because pharmacists are still laboring under a lot of financial uncertainty. And we don't know yet whether that 370 million is going to be written off. But um, I think we have I think it's fair to say we've seen them stand their ground more. And I hope that achieves results next year. Yeah, good call, PSNC. They, they have their work cut out, obviously, and they, they seem to be banging on the door of the Treasury with no joy as yet, but they be they have been a bit more punchy, actually, Arthur. I think you're right. And um, are gradually up in the ante, and they need to. You know, they, they need to, because that £370 million, you know, has got to be written off, really, um, and and the, the COVID costs as well. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good call, PSNC. Um, is our Arthur's going for Helena? What, what about you? I have to say, I am jumping on the CPS bandwagon as well. Um, some really great stories coming out of Scotland, um, as you mentioned, in terms of the communication and the support that they've offered. Um, and I think it's really set a benchmark for the other home nations, and hopefully, a lot can be learned about um, the ways in which they dealt with the pandemic, and that can be kind of transferred to other things going forwards as well. Okay, yeah, thanks, Helena. Um... Just before we close this category, I think I'd just like to give a quick shout out to pharmacist support. Um, been a difficult year for the charitable sector and fundraising has been hit badly. But pharmacist support uh, just done some tremendous work in this most difficult of years. I mean, we've reported on this a lot recently. The sector is facing something of a, of a mental health crisis and uh, pharmacist support played a big part in, in raising awareness and providing practical support uh, for those in difficulty in the pharmacy family so yeah well done to to pharmacist support and on that note let's play for you the first of our christmas messages 
Hello, it's Claire Anderson, Chair of English Pharmacy Board of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society, wishing you all a very, very happy Christmas. I'm so proud of our profession and I thank you and your teams for all that you've done during this very, very difficult year. Who'd have thought when we were wishing people happy Christmas last year, what a year it would be. Pharmacists have been there at the forefront and I know you will continue to be. Thank you for all the flu vaccinations, all the advice, all the medicines that you've provided. And as we go forward into the new year, I hope that you manage to get some rest over the holiday period so that you're restored and able to continue serving the public in the wonderful way that you have been doing. Hi everyone, Jonathan Burton here, community pharmacist based in Stirling and currently chair for RPS in Scotland. 2020, I think, was the year where pharmacy learned to love itself again. And um, we started to appreciate uh, the amazing things that we do in the different parts of the profession. Community pharmacy, well, we kept the NHS show on the road. Uh, And in hospitals, um, pharmacists and teams provided absolutely vital support for the intensive care effort. Um, I think going forward into 2021, my one wish, I guess, especially for English colleagues, but also in Scotland, would be to see further development of independent prescribing practice in community pharmacy. So all the best. Hope you managed to get a break over Christmas. Thank you. Wow, what a year that was. And how magnificently did community pharmacy respond to a perfect storm of funding cuts and a pandemic? The upside was that we kept patients safe with the medicines they needed, but with the loss of many services and the benefits to patients and pharmacies. The big issue was the lack of genuine recognition by government and NHS leadership of the impact that is having on the viability of many pharmacies and the well-being of their teams. In 2021, I hope that someone in government and the NHS finally converts the rhetoric into tangible action and that community pharmacy speaks and acts with one united voice. Oh, that's really nice. I enjoyed those. Thanks to Claire Anderson, Jonathan Burton, and Mike Holden of Pharmacy Complete, the last voice you heard there, all friends of the podcast. Okay, let's do Pharmacy Person of the Year next. Monica, who are you going for? Uh, So for me, Richard, I would say it was David Perry, who was the winner of our Outstanding Contribution Award and Overall Spotlight Award winner at the Recognition of Excellence Awards. And uh, David has a plethora of examples of going above and um, beyond what is generally expected of a pharmacy assistant. Um, But to avoid repeating ourselves, make sure you go to the Pharmacy Podcast ROE special to hear more and from the man himself. Uh, Yeah, that was a a great interview that that Dave did in that that podcast. Uh, Absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, Helena, I mean, I guess you'd probably agree with that. Dave Perry features for you, person of the year. Absolutely. Yes, I would say he's definitely up there. Um, He's one of the most lovely, enthusiastic, dedicated members of the pharmacy team I've had the pleasure of meeting. Um, And yeah, as Monica says, his examples were brilliant. His entry and nomination from his pharmacist blew the judges away. Um, And yeah, he impressed in so many different ways. Um, I also think Steve Howard needs an honourable mention. Um, With 35 years, I think I'm right in saying it is, um, at Lloyd's Pharmacy and, uh, yeah, semi-retiring at the end of what is probably the most turbulent year of those 35 years. 
Um, but yeah, he's been a huge advocate for TM and pharmacy support staff over the years, which we've really valued. Um, and I know he's been a big supporter of our other magazines too. Um, so yeah, thank you to him. Just to interject there, I, th- I think he's probably getting out at the right time, isn't he? He probably is. He's done 35 years or like Helder said, fair play. Um, very much a friend of pharmacy, uh, Steve. And uh, yeah, we've all known and worked with him well and wish him, wish him well in his retirement. So yeah, good call. But um, Rob, who's been your pharmacy person of the year? Uh, well, Richard, I was going to give it to uh, to pharmacy's own Richard Osman, you know, on everything. Uh, Addie Williams, so now star of radio, TV, all sorts of media. Um, but instead, I'm going to go back to um, March and April. Now, March and April, when things started with the, with the coronavirus, uh, we asked uh, a number of uh, pharmacists to... Let us know what was happening to them on a day-to-day basis. There was about a dozen of them who reported very faithfully to me uh, every day in the first couple of weeks and then every other day for a couple of weeks and then weekly for about another month and a half. And, I, you know, they really, for me, typify response of uh, pharmacy generally. And so my person of the year is, if you like, um, pharmacists who got on with it. Yeah, and-, and I'd like to thank them. They know who they are. Yes, definitely. And, and you know, incidentally, for all of us, editors and journalists, you know, we were very, we are very grateful for the way that pharmacists gave up their time at the, at the height of the pandemic to kind of help us. And then hopefully, you know, we could help the, the, the rest of the sector through that traumatic time with our reporting. But yeah, um, a lot of pharmacists were very, very helpful to us uh, throughout the year. Neil, um, who's your pharmacy person of the year? Well, just to continue... Rob's theme, really, uh, you know, those, those heroic frontline pharmacists that we all uh, love. Yeah, I've gone for Rena Barai uh, uh, in Sutton. And um, uh, the reason I've gone for her, I mean, I, I'm not saying for one minute that she and her team have done more or done better than any other community pharmacy team during this pandemic. Absolutely not. I mean, they've all, you know, right across the UK, they've all played their, their, uh, a fantastic role. But I've just chosen Rena um, simply because, you know, we've kind of gone on a journey with Rena really uh, during this pandemic. We, She's documented her struggles and her and her, and her successes on, on Twitter uh, with real emotion and, 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 and passion. And you've almost felt you, you've been with her on this journey. You know, I remember very early in the lockdown, um, she, she posted uh, something like, you know, I'm, I'm emotionally drained. You know, I don't know how we're going to keep going. And you really felt for her and you really felt for her and her team. And it was it was really sort of frank and, and, and brutally frank and emotional stuff. And, and she stood out for me during the pandemic. Um, and again, as I said, I'm not saying she's done more during the pandemic, but you, you just feel that she's the one who you've gone on. A, well, certainly for me, I, I feel like I've gone on a real journey with her, following her um, her sort of um, day-to-day struggle against this this terrible disease and, and, and helping patients. And for me, it's, it's Rena. She's fantastic. Really good choice. Really good choice, Neil. Uh, Rob, you, you want to come in there? Yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a great shout, Neil. And uh, I, I remember that very, very vividly, that... Um, that video, video that um, Rena posted uh, just in the middle of that second week, I think it was, when she, you know, they, uh, like many, many, many pharmacists had been working flat out. Um, and at that point, I think, wasn't really seeing any support from um, from on high, really, for the work that was going in. So I think that's a really good call. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. And you felt you were there with her every step of the way, didn't you? So that's, that's partly the reason I've chosen her. Well, yeah. So, and and you know, Rena was like like all the pharmacists, right at the 
at the heart of it. And everybody in that first three weeks w- was struggling. And, and kind of Rena's tweets and, and her blogs kind of typified that. And I'll tell you something else about, about Rena as well. She, she was on um, uh, Radio 5 Live um, only about a month ago, I think, talking about COVID and vaccination. An absolutely brilliant interview. Um, such a clear communicator um, and, and such a superb kind of media representative for, for, for the profession. The best I've heard, I think I would say. So uh, I think that's a, a, an excellent call, Neil. Just, just another... Pharmacy person of the year. Yeah, and, and just another could add on to that. I mean, and this is just immediately before the pandemic erupted in, in early March. In February, we, we interviewed, I interviewed her in, in February, went to her pharmacy. Uh, and at, at, at that point in time, she'd been appointed well, just a year earlier, the PCN lead, I believe, for her, for her area. Um, and of course, at, at that time, before COVID was even known of, the, the watchword in pharmacy was primary care network. That was PCN was the big thing. And, you know, how do we get involved in this? How do independents get involved? And it just, you know, it was a shame that, you know, at that moment in time, she started in that a really important position and, and telling us how, how, you know, again, a really brutally frank interview, telling us how she's struggling with the, geog- uh, the geography of it. It's still complex, it's still... And the thing was just getting off the ground, and um, and then the, the pandemic hit. So I, I just I thought I'd mention that at that moment in time, she was making, starting to make pretty significant strides in what was at that moment in time a really uh, you know important development, primary care. Yeah, yeah, and of course, you know, surviving an interview with uni and must make dealing with the PCNs <laughs> and the pandemic a, a walk in the park, really. So it probably set her up nicely. Anyway, um, we better move on, Arthur. Um, well done, Arena. Um, Arthur, your person, your pharmacy person of the year, please. Uh, my person of the year has to be uh, Israel Marfo, the um, uh, London bus driver turned pharmacist whose inspiring story really struck a chord with our readers in September. Um, Israel's got a great story. He's from Ghana originally. Uh, he's 41. He left school without qualifications, but always loved science and um, came here, worked as a bus driver for many years, uh, but decided he wanted a more sort of intellectually satisfying career or so on. So he, over the past 10 years, he has... Uh, all while working part-time, he's done his GCSEs, he's got a biobay qualification, then a three-year access course to help him get into uni, uh, and now has graduated with an M-Farm from the University of Wolverhampton and is um, doing his pre-reg in well pharmacies, and I'm sure will go, go on to have a great career. Uh, also, what, during his time as pharma, uh, during his, his time at university, he received a diagnosis of dyslexia and got support with that. He uh, became, I think, president of the university's pharmacy society. Um, just amazing achievement. Goes to show, um, you know, what hard work and dedication can can do. Um, I'll leave it, it. I'll leave you with Israel's own words. He said, "Everyone thought I was stupid to give up my job as a bus driver in London, but now that I'm training to be a pharmacist and I've almost achieved my goal." I'm proud that I've made a better life for myself. It's an amazing achievement, and it definitely is an amazing achievement. So well done to, to Israel Marfa, my person of the year. Yeah, we really loved the story of Israel. And you're right, Arthur, I think it was one of our most popular stories of, of the entire year. It really did catch the, capture the imagination, and uh, it was a heartwarming story, really, and, and very inspiring. So, yeah, good, good for Israel. Um, my person of the year, well, you know, Goes without saying the true heroes and heroines of the year being the wonderful pharmacy teams on the, on the COVID frontline, isn't it? But I'm going to go for uh, Professor Mahindra Patel. Now, Mahindra is what I call um, one of the, the quietly effective leaders in the profession. He sits on the RPS English Pharmacy Board, amongst other bodies, and you know he just gets things done. 
And this year he's done some tremendous work on uh, mitigating COVID risk in the BAME community. Uh, he's the BAME community and pharmacy lead for Oxford University's principal COVID-19 trial. And I think almost single-handedly seems to have got most of the sector involved in this important research. And he's been tackling misinformation about COVID vaccination and is a, a very important voice in the equality, diversity and inclusion agenda. So very effective leadership showed by Mahendra Patel. And he's my pharmacy person of the year. Um, I've got a non-pharmacy person of the year, actually. I, I'd like to chuck in. I've loved the work of virologist Chris Smith, the, the naked scientist who, without doubt, likes it. Again, he was the best communicator out there in the media when it comes to explaining the science behind COVID. Um, you hear him a lot on, on the radio. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah, he's my non-pharmacy person of the year. Has anyone else got a, a non-pharmacy person of the year? Um, Helena, do you have one? Yes, I do. Um, my non-pharmacy person of the year is Dr Jenny Harries, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, and I think the true queen and legend of the government's daily briefings in lockdown 1.0. Um, she was one of the few people who explained things in a way that non-healthcare professionals and virologists could understand. She was informative, she was sassy, um, and I think just her whole persona and no-nonsense attitude was just what we needed during the, some of the darkest days of the pandemic. Thanks, Helena. Um, Rob, do you have a, a non-pharmacy person of the year? Yes, I do, Richard. And I think uh, we're going to see a few doctors here. I'm going for uh, Dr. Phil Hammond, um, who is MD in Private Eye. And I yes. have to say that his reporting this year on um, covid for the eye and the way the government have splashed the cash uh, on PPE and all sorts of other things has been absolutely tremendous. Um, it, it's not just about the, the PPE contracts, but also diving into the science around around testing and uh, and all of that. Just uh, fantastic. I mean, he, he started off, I think started the year before coronavirus with a column or so, and he's now read regularly doing about a page and a half, two pages of stuff every fortnight. Um, I think uh, if the mainstream media were were slightly more switched on, they'd be uh, they'd be going to him and and checking out what's happening and and reporting on more of it. To be honest, but he he's genuinely trying to hold the government to account here. Some of yes, he things. is. And I think make, making making me think about things like the testing in a slightly different way because he he dives into the science and makes it understandable, which is something that you know I think we all struggle with from time to time. Yes, I'm a big fan of the work of Dr. Phil Hammond. I think he tweeted the other day that he's written over 50,000 words on the COVID crisis. Really good explanatory stuff. And as you say, Rob, holding the government to account. Right, let's have some more Christmas messages. Richard, Rob and colleagues, thank you so much for your wonderful podcast throughout 2020. I've thoroughly enjoyed the banter and more importantly, the topical debates about the key issues facing our profession. It has been an extraordinary year and our colleagues in community pharmacy have stepped up and been the true hidden heroes of 2020. Let's hope 2021 is a better year and we get back to whatever the new normal will be. And that pharmacy is recognised for its massive contribution during the pandemic with the appropriate plaudits and financial recognition of a job well done. Na dole clawen a bloidin newydda i Chris Martin in sunny Wales.
Hi, Richard, Rob, Arthur and Neil. Merry Christmas to you all. This is Rena Bry. Just wanted to say thank you so much for the amazing podcasts that you've created over this year. Um, they've definitely kept me going and I've really enjoyed listening to them all. Um, as someone who loves to talk pharmacy, it's actually been quite fun to listen to you guys talk about pharmacy every week and put the whole pharmacy world to right, which has been really great to hear every week. I also wanted to give you some Christmas wishes of peace, love and happiness. I know it's corny, but in a year that's been far from peaceful for community pharmacy, I think we could do with some peace, couldn't we? And actually, the thing that's probably kept us all going is the love that's been shown to pharmacy from our patients um, this year, which has definitely kept us all spurred on, hasn't it? And of course, happiness, which we've all found in different ways this year in simple things like listening to podcasts like yours, uh, you know, being outside and more in the fresh air, doing some cooking, baking, whatever's floated anyone's boat. So wish you all the best for 2021. Thanks again. Hello, Community Pharmacy colleagues. It's uh, Michael Lennox here from Somerset and beyond. Thanks to Richard for inviting me to do a wee turn and thanks to Richard and the team for their excellent podcasts during the year. It was really good to get that dose of sense of perspective on a weekly basis. I would share two quick thoughts with you. Firstly, let's continue to get community pharmacy connected in 2021. Contractors connecting with each other and PCNs, their PCN leads connecting with the clinical directors, LPCs connecting in, in their systems and working together across regions, and LPCs connected better nationally with PSNC and the other national leadership bodies. Secondly, let's continue to live with hope. Better will come in 2021. Stay positive, stay connected, and stay safe and well. Take care. Bye. So thanks there to, to Chris Martin in Wales, uh, the wonderful Rena Barai, and Michael Lennox. Uh, legends, all three. Okay, let's move on to biggest disappointment of the year in pharmacy, or... The biggest non-event for you, I think. Rob, uh, would you like to, to kick off with this one, please? Sure, Richard. Uh, uh, biggest non-event of the year for me is is the right review into representation in England. Uh, hopefully, it won't be the biggest non-event of 2021 as well, uh, because it's taken long enough already. I understand it's complicated, uh, but I do think an organisational change is already all, always are. But some of the things we've already talked about today can't wait for too much navel-gazing around how things are done. And, um, you know, the whole thing, OK, it was delayed originally, the report, the original review because of the pandemic. I understand all of that. But then subsequently we've had committees. Now we've got another review committee and the whole thing. I think uh, pharmacy representation needs sorting. And if you appoint people to look into it in some detail and they come up with a a way forward then you know you need to get on with it really and I think uh, it needs to move expeditiously let's hope I'm not saying the same thing next year. Thanks Ron. Now Neil you sometimes take a slightly different tack don't you with the right review uh, to Rob uh, what, would you what do you think about the right review would that be your biggest disappointment of the year? No no it's not um, and I, 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 I can't disagree with Rob in a way because I, I think that we have to get this right and it's, I would say it's the most important structural change in community pharmacy since for, for a hell of a long time, arguably ever, um, you know, especially as far as independents are concerned. Uh, um, you know, we have to get it right. It's that simple. And uh, I take the point that you don't want it to drag on. You know, we don't want it going on for another year, two years. Absolutely not. But we've got to make sure we get it right. No point, you know, steaming ahead and then finding out down the line it's, it's all gone wrong and independents, from, from our point of view, independents are not getting a fair shout. So I, I, 
I'm not complete in agreement with Rob. Um, but my dis- my my vote for biggest disappointment during this pandemic, um, and I'm not going to pick on the Healthcare Distribution Association because I think that's another debate we've had about um, trade bodies and, and the functions and the roles they play. Um, but I think wholesalers have not been covered in glory during this pandemic. Um, well, we've seen the PSNC report into quotas, uh, manufacturer quotas as well, not just wholesaler quotas, but nevertheless, some, some rather unsafe stuff coming out of that, allegations, we should say. Um, and, um, you know, and I th- more recently as well, surcharges. Um, and, and now, I, I, I don't think that the... It's, yes, there is an argument to say that HDA, it's not their responsibility to, to rein these guys in. They're, they're there to, if anything, to do the opposite. They're there to stand up for them and, and represent them. And I, get, and I think we all understand that. So my biggest disappointment hasn't, is not the HDA, it's just a lack of, you know, a mechanism to sort of rein in wholesalers. They seem to be a bit of a lawn to themselves, I think, and, and, and sort of not really, you know, pharmacies are having a difficult enough time, always had a difficult time getting medicines in. And during this awful pandemic, I think it's, it's even more important that they're not, they don't have these, they're not hamstrung in this way. Um, so my disappointment is, maybe this is a government thing, possibly is, you know, a, a disappointing thing for me is wholesalers not being, checked not you know not being reined in a little, a little bit more with what's going on yeah we we discussed quotas etc last week i think yeah, didn't we with, yeah. with that that npa survey uh, survey and and yeah it, it caused enormous difficulties quotas for pharmacists on the ground because of the of their their lack of transparency and and yeah we do need to try and get on top of this it's a it's a blight really that's that's played the sector for a while, I I would say though, you know, at the going back to the, the the height of the pandemic, you know, to keep that distribution network working, you know, when when the drugs uh, and medicines were were in short supply on occasions and the demand that they were facing, I mean, that as a logistical feat, you know, I thought that that was terrific. So I think you have to give them a a, a bit of a pat on the back for the way that they continued to service the sector during during COVID. But yeah, no, take your point there, uh, Neil. Um, biggest disappointment of the year, Helena, are you disappointed by anything that you, you, you've come across this year in pharmacy? Um, so yes, for me, it would be the um, lack of events in the pharmacy calendar this year, of which there are usually so many. Um, missing out on that face-to-face networking, hosting awards events, and just having a good time with the industry. There's There's so much to celebrate. And I guess that's been, yeah, my my main disappointment. I always love the opportunity of chatting to readers and others in the industry, and that hasn't been able to happen in quite the same way, obviously. And scheduling in a Zoom for those kinds of conversations just isn't the same. Um, and I think the the national mood, the the pharmacy mood, will be lifted if those events and meetings can happen again next year. So fingers crossed, we are on track for that to happen. Oh, yeah, I, I really hope so. I, I agree with you, H. I, I missed the kind of personal contact of those type of things a, a lot. It does make our jobs actually become a bit more difficult um, because you, some of the stuff that you, you pick up at conferences and events, you know, you do so in the kind of informal settings, don't you, with, with, with coffees in, in reception areas or just having a, an informal chat and you kind of miss out on that. And also, importantly, those occasions, you're right, during the year when the, the pharmacy, pharmacy family comes together, you know, to celebrate something, to celebrate outstanding work or um, with the pharmacy show where you get the whole industry under one roof. Yeah, it's, uh, I really miss those. And let's hope we're not waiting too much longer before they, they start happening again next year. Um, Rob, disappointment for you this year? 
no, you've already done mine, but I was just going to pick you up oh. on this thing about you enjoying these events for the coffees. <laughs> you, you, who are you kidding? Coffees. I don't- I don't enjoy them for the coffees per se, uh, and stale scones and those funny kind of salmon little things you get on on bits of toast. No, it's more like the conversations around the coffee, Rob. Uh, uh, conversations I, around the, the drink of choice that I was questioning there, Richard. You talk about coffees. Well, like, yes, I mean, I, I know where you're going with this one, Rob, and I know a lot of our work does get done in hostelries after hours, but I'm going to um, I'm going to skip over that. Um, suffice to say. I want those kind of things back quickly because I'm missing them and I'm missing having a drink with my pharmacy chums. So um, disappointment, yes, many and various for me. Um, I'm particularly disappointed with the drug remdesivir. Do you remember when that was the great hope uh, for curing COVID back in uh, in May and June, I think? Um, but uh, my other disappointment, this has come over the last week, actually, is the the degree of vaccine hesitancy that there uh, appears to be in the profession. And I really hope that that's not true and it's being over-reported um, because it's so important now that the, the vaccination programme um, gets going this year and, and, and pharmacists are there to, to support it and to, to explain to people and give people the, the information that they need about the, the vaccine um, if they're worried about safety and efficacy, etc. Pharmacy is a a massive role to play here. So um, vaccine hesitancy in, in the profession and other care professions, um, it concerns me a, a little bit. But let's um, move on. Now, let's move on to um, unlikely star of the year. Now, this is an interesting category. Unlikely star. Monica, um, let's go to you with this one. Hi, thanks, Richard. Uh, so for me, it was um, Perspex uh, material that has um, <laughs> apparently, according to Perspex, in March, their UK production increased by 300% um, to support COVID key worker protection. Um, and according to Forbes, one of the biggest American manufacturers was producing enough resin weekly for 3 million face shields and enough sheets for 200,000 barriers. So, yeah, very um, unsung hero, perhaps, but definitely supporting all our um, key workers with faith in the masks. And even for us in our office on Regent Street, we're suddenly divided by these perspex screens. Yeah, indeed. I love the way it was one of the, the really kind of uh, uplifting stories towards the start of the of pandemic, where people were, you know, schools were making, you know, visors and and um, PPE equipment, you know, perspex screens, masks. It was it was wonderful, kind of innovative stuff at the height of the crisis. And yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, pers- perspex screens went from nothing to like everywhere, didn't they? Yeah, there's been talks of as well that um, perspex is um, for life and not just for COVID. They're now going to be um, a part of the everyday moving forward. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, this this will be interesting, isn't it? Will they stay? Will all these screens stay or, or, or will they not? And, you know, I suspect, Monica, you could be right. Um, they might be staying, you know, longer. And uh, how do I feel about that? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, right, I'm going to go to uh, a special award, actually. Just one I'd like to, to throw in there. Um, a nice idea got there in the end category. And uh, I'm going to give this to pharmacists prescribing in England. Now, it was 
it was never on NHS England's agenda, was it, uh, pharmacists prescribing, until a couple of months ago, England lagging way behind Scotland and Wales. But at last, there seem to be plans uh, to take it forward, and quite rightly too. This is exactly where pharmacists should be heading, and with the move to five-year integrated degrees, including foundation training, it looks like the right educational blocks are finally being put in place. A um, lot of complex work ahead, though, of course there is, but this is a, a positive move for the profession. And actually, can I come to you on, on this, Rob? Um, you started work on uh, the integrated uh, degree course, was it 10 years ago now? So you must be pleased that, that we're making progress on it after this this long time. Uh, yeah, finally there. And um, yeah, it probably is about 10 years ago when... Uh, um, Sue Ambler and um, Anthony Smith and I sat in Waterloo Station every Friday morning writing a report uh, for the government about the five-year what what became the five-year integrated program. So yeah, it's good to see. Um, I think all it needs now is for a commu- the community pharmacy organisations to recognise that you know there are services that need to go with that when that when that ability for all pharmacists to prescribe is is in place. And at the moment, I think we're, we're still talking about old money, really, rather than thinking about what the community pharmacy service that was staffed with prescribing pharmacists could actually be like. That's That that would be the, the clincher for me. But yeah, I think it's exciting times and it's, it's nice to see things eventually happen, even if other parts of the UK have made progress um, ahead of England. Could I, could I just ask Rob something on that? I mean, um, it just seems like such a natural, or well, almost natural thing for pharmacy. It just, you, you wonder why it's taken so long. I mean, you know, it's such a, it's a, it's, it's such an, it's an integral part, the patient pathway, isn't it, for pharmacists to prescribe? You, you wonder why it's taken long. I just wonder, I'm not saying this is the case, but I just wonder, has there been, I mean, Rob, Richard, I mean, have you detected any kind of resistance to, to this from, maybe, I don't know, general practice? I mean, have they, has there been any resistance to pharmacists prescribing over the years? I think, I think, I mean, it's a good question here. I think there's always a, there's always a timing issue. And um, as I think I said a, a few weeks ago on, on the pod, when, um, when Pete Noyce looked at this back in, I think it was something like 2009, 2010, and considered whether prescribing should be part of the, um, part of the undergraduate programme. Uh, the view then was that there was a case for supplemental prescribing, which is adjusting dosages and and and, and that um, in fully independent prescribing uh, required some kind of experiential process. Now, obviously, the some of the other changes that are being, being made um, provide opportunities for that experience to be gained more along the way rather than um, happening once people are registered. So, you know, there's a time and a, there's a time and a place for everything. And I think that uh, certainly when... Um, when I first qualified, which is uh, many, 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 many years ago, there was a key role really for pharmacy then, considered ethically, for, for pharmacists as arbiters of who were appropriate prescribers. Um, and there was a certainly a role very much around, um, is this prescription from a legitimate prescriber? And there were therefore questions about whether pharmacists could both prescribe and and dispense, given that that was a very discreet role. So, I, I mean, I think it's a question of timing. I think it's it's probably a little bit overdue, um, but you get there in the end. And I think that that's, that's the important thing and that pharmacy now needs to embrace it. And um, the uh, those in practice now also need to to think about how how that what that means for them um, to suddenly have a growing, growing 
cohorts arriving on the register with prescribing uh, competencies up front and, and, and then how that then translates into a, a full service. Yeah, I, I, I'll go along with that. I mean, I, nearly there's going to be, a, you know, some professional resistance by, by the groups, I, I'm sure. But do you know what? The, the, the GPs I talk to would love, you know, a, a pharmacist to take over care of their um, thyroxine patients, for example, or um, people on, on, on uh, asthma medication. If you've got a pharmacist prescriber there, then that actually uh, saves a lot of time uh, that doctors can, can then devote to more more complex care. Um, I suppose the, the concern going forward is, you know, where do these independent prescribers sit? You know, do they sit within the practice model? What does it mean for community pharmacists? Um, where do they fit into to an indep- in, uh, independent prescribing model? And I think we need to, to look to Wales for this because they are quite a bit advanced uh, of the situation in, in England, certainly. But they've been quite uh, categorical. The Andrew Evans in Wales, chief pharmacist, they're saying that he wants you know, independent prescriber to be associated with a community pharmacy, he wants every community pharmacy to have an independent prescriber there. So um, the model, well, you know, we're talking a fair way down here, aren't we? But we we'll, we need to look at it closely. But I think the model might be the one to keep an eye on would be what they what they do in Wales. Uh, good little discussion. That prescribing um, finally catching fire in England. Right, here is our final group of Christmas messages. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Just a short message to all the fancy teams out there. Have a lovely Christmas, and I hope Santa is good to you all. Thanks for everything that you have all done, recognised, and an award-winning team effort. My hope for next year is to build upon the tremendous good feeling that is being expressed towards our community pharmacy colleagues and teams. Now, that will mean some expansion to NHS Pharmacy First in Scotland and some developments in other areas. So really, just all the best to my colleagues across the UK, and we'll speak soon. Hello, it's Andrew Lane from the National Pharmacy Association. For most people, 2020 is a year that they would rather forget because of the ravages of the pandemic. But let us dare to dream that the new year will be the start of a new and happier chapter in all our lives. Pharmacy teams have felt the impact of coronavirus very directly because of your role on the NHS front line. You have shown immense resilience, professionalism and resourcefulness throughout. So I hope your Christmas is a Christmas fit for heroes. Hello, this is Sandra Goodley, President of the RPS, wishing you all a Merry Christmas. I also want to thank you all for the tremendous effort over the last year. Public, patients and politicians all recognise that pharmacy has gone the extra mile. You've been simply brilliant. It's been tough and we're all knackered. So I do hope you make the most of the very short break we have. I'm sure we'll all be glad to see the back of 2020 and all hope for a brighter 2021, during which pharmacy will continue to play a large part in improving the health of the nation. Christmas this year will be different for many and life may never be quite the same again. But whether you're driving home for Christmas, rocking around the Christmas tree or prefer a silent night, have a simply wonderful Christmas time. 
Harry McQuillan there from Community Pharmacy Scotland, Andrew Lane from the MPA, and of course, Sandra Gidley, uh, President of the RPS, uh, with, a, with a great message there. Thank you very much for those messages, and indeed to all the leaders in the profession who, who kindly sent in their Christmas messages uh, to the pod along with their, with their hope, along with their hopes for the new year. Uh, so thank you uh, to all. So um, let's do, uh, coming to the end, but let's do uh, the sentence or the award for the sentence we don't ever want to write in 2021. Um, the sentence we don't want to write. Rob, let's, uh, let's start with you. Yeah, I've got one. I would like not to have to write again, decision-making in primary care has sped up during the pandemic, we are told. Um, I've written it several times because I think it's quite an important issue that um, primary care is moving ahead uh, fast and and pharmacy sometimes doesn't appear to be moving with it. Uh, You know, pharmacies, community pharmacy is part of primary care and as we transition from not only primary care networks, but as we transition into integrated care systems, I do think there is a something here that, that is in grave danger of being missed while we debate other things. Um, you know, the, these organisations are going to have a lot of money and a lot of power. And we're still discussing how community pharmacy liaises with PCNs, let alone thinking about the bigger picture and and how we interact with and and use the power of the community pharmacy network as a as a as a part of an integrated care system. So I hope never to have to write that again because it started to become a bit of a plea. You know, decision making is speeding up, and uh, if you're not around the table, then even more decisions are going to be made without you if you're not careful. Yeah, that the localized agenda really is speeding up. You're right, Rob, and and, and pharmacy is in risk at risk of being left behind. So, yeah, that's not a sentence we, we want to write or read. Uh, let's hope there's, there's progress next year. Um, Arthur, what don't you want to write in 2021? Okay, this is actually not specific to COVID. This is uh, always a notorious sentence, I think, in our sector. But uh, the phrase pharmacy is ideally placed is so overused. <laughs> and hard. Uh, I mean, it's hard to think of an alternative, but it's. <laughs> I definitely want to, to, to think on that over. That's what I'll do with my Christmas break. I will <laughs> think of alternatives to pharmacy is ideally placed. Yes, we we should we should ban that phrase across the group actually, but we we all do it, don't we? But yeah, uh, yeah. Let us know what you come up with, Art. Um, Neil, what about you? What don't you want to write? Well, I've got a couple of th- couple of uh, things I don't want to write. Um, Matt Hancock continues as health secretary next year. <laughs> That's the first thing I don't want to write. Uh, and the other thing is uh, independents worrying about their future post right ref- uh, post uh, right reforms. I, I, I certainly don't want to be writing that um, for obvious reasons. Fair enough. Um, Helena, what about you? Um, I have have a few. Um, the word that I don't want to ever write again is unprecedented. Um, I think um, I've tried and failed to come up with um, an appropriate synonym for that this year. So, um, yeah, it's come up a lot. Um, the phrase this difficult year um, has been one that I think I've when I've been editing I've been reading it more than any other phrase the thing that um that annoys me about that though is that people tend to then justify why it's been a difficult year as if everybody else doesn't quite know what they're trying to get at like they're not aware that there's been a a pandemic going on um and yet the starting sentences with 
during the COVID-19 pandemic. I think it is getting a bit um, a bit old in the uh, yeah kind of creativity stakes. I feel like we need to, um, as Arthur says, spend the uh, the Christmas holidays thinking of other ways of of getting that message across. Helena, you you literally trashed half my last editorial with with, with that summary there. Um, <laughs> Monica, what what sentence don't you want to write in twenty twenty one? Um, similar lines is probably as a result of the pandemic, something has worsened and <laughs> insert thousand word options there, mainly all of our physical and mental health. Um, but something I never want to hear or say again is you're on mute. You're on mute. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good one. Following the science. That's when we don't, well, mind you, we don't follow the science anymore, do we? Um, Arthur, you I'm gonna nick one of yours now, Arthur. You you next slide, please, is something you don't want to hear about uh in 2021. Um what 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 would I say? What sentence don't I want to write? I haven't thought about this. I know. Um uh the UK locks down ahead of the fifth COVID wave. I think I wouldn't want to be writing that. Um or I wouldn't want to write um PSNC appeals to government for the 16th time to write off the 370 million in advance payments. I, I, I definitely don't want to write that. And I never want to write anything to do with uh, abuse of pharmacy teams like we, we covered in uh, in April and May. That was, uh, that was um, horrific. And uh, we don't want to see that again. Okay. Um, I think we, we better call it a day there. I think we're, we're coming up to, to our hour mark. But I think before we finish, um, I should mention that the, People have been sending in on via Twitter um, their fantastic pharmacy Christmas carols. Um, we've had loads. Uh, they, they're all awful, uh, but they'd be good fun to read. Um, so I'll just uh, I'll read out a very small selection um, grown in the appropriate places. Um, Once in Royal Jelly's City, uh, God Rest You Merry Gentamycin, Silent Night Nurse, quite like that, um, Joyrides to the World, that's quite good. Foster the Snowman. I saw Mummy masking Santa Claus. That sounds vaguely sinister. Um, sanitizers coming to town was one. And um, while well, shepherds washed their hands all day. Uh, oh, and one more, Shingle Bells. I mean, honestly, awful. But um, thank you so much to the people who took the trouble to send them in. Uh, I'll read out some names. Steve Churton, Ross Ferguson, Mohammed Hussain, Mike Holden, Sarah David. Khalid Khan, uh, they, they were loads. Um, uh, it was a bit of fun. Thanks for doing that. And that brings us uh, to the end of our special Christmas edition of the pod. So big thanks to Rob, Neil, Arthur, Helena and Monica. We hope it's brought at least some light relief at a busy and difficult time. And thanks also to Sam from our digital team who produces this podcast every week and has to listen to hours and hours of us waffling on. Uh, we have one more pod to come before we can say good riddance to 2020, and that's our review of the year, uh, so look out for that. But mainly, um, thanks to you, our listeners. Uh, this pod was a, a new venture for us this year, and we've had a really great response to it, which we, we really appreciate. And finally, um, on behalf of all of us, I think the, the COVID story of 2020 has been, well, I think it's been the biggest story that, that any of us have covered in pharmacy. And this podcast came about uh, as a direct result of COVID. And we used to call it Talking COVID, if you remember, in those, those early days. And 
we've all been uh, inspired and humbled, really, by the magnificent work done on the front line by pharmacists and their teams. Uh, it's been incredible to witness. So thanks again uh, to everyone who shared their stories with us and for doing such incredible work uh, on the COVID front line out there in, in primary care. So that's it from me and the gang. Have a great Christmas. Stay safe and well. But for now, from all of us, thanks very much for listening. Thank you.